Hi, I'm Van Stratum from Gnosko Ministries. Thank you for inviting us into your home and into your life. So today, I just want to hand out some fish and some loaves of bread for those that are still hungry and want to see the Lord still move in miracles and wonders as He did before. May this teaching help you and make you fall in love with our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, please, if you can click on the subscribe button and the like button and you will see a bell icon. If you can click on that, that will really help us in, in sharing this message. And you will be notified when a new video is uploaded. And by doing this, you not only help us share the gospel, but you actively help us by making this message more visible on the platform. And by doing that, more people can interact and, and listen to the teachings that we upload. So join me now as we go into the Word of God. Thank you. Hi everyone and thank you for joining me. So today um, our topic is what do I desire and where is my faith? And when we talk about desire, um, I'm not talking about desiring worldly things. I'm talking about desire for God. What is my desire when it comes to the things of God? But before we go there, let me just ask that Holy Spirit will just put the words in my mouth, that it would be your truth, Father, and nothing else but your truth. Thank you that um, you've taught me on, on, on this piece and that I am able to teach other people um, about desire and faith and how we um, tend to think about these things. Father, burn my lips so that nothing will leave my lips that is not truth and not my truth, but your truth, Father. We want to talk about your truth only. That's my heart's desire is to share um, truth from Scripture with people as um, I learn about them and, um, how, and when it changed my life, I would like to share it with you so that it can change your life as well. So, um, when we fall in um, and we talk about desire, um, I want to also just say that when God talks to us about what we desire, um, there's kind of like, I would call it a, a warning um, that goes with it. And that is not to answer the question too quickly because most of the time we think we know what we desire and sometimes we do know what we desire but what does desire really mean when we say we desire something do we use it in the context that it is supposed to be because desire as google states it is a strong feeling of want. So how do we act when we strongly want something? For me, um, is that I would work really hard to get what I'm desiring. If we're talking now about worldly things or anything that we can desire, a gift, uh, anything that would make life easier, what would we do if we desire those things? I would work very hard to get that thing. Um, 
I would even give up certain things to get hold of that thing. Um, I might even exchange certain things if it's possible to get that thing. I would even do things that I normally wouldn't do to get hold of that thing. And how do we feel when we desire or strongly want something? I would say, um, I would talk about it very often. Every second sentence would have something in that I desire. Um, I would be very eager to obtain whatever it is that I desire. Um, I would go to extreme measures to place myself in reach of whatever it is that I desire. Let's just look for a moment at the statement strong feeling. What comes to mind when we think about strong feeling? For me, I don't think it's necessarily something that I feel in my heart. It is more something that I feel with my whole being. And when, when I bubblegum this, when I stretch it out like bubblegum, uh, I don't have another term to express it. It's just because I, it's not that I think you don't understand what I'm saying. What I'm trying to do with this is make us realize how easy we read over very important detail. Um, and thinking we know things and understand things that we actually don't really do. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning that when God asks something of me, and use statements like, what do you desire, or do you trust me, do not answer too quickly. To think about what it is I really want to answer, and what it is that is actually asking me before I'm answering. Because um, when he asks me things like, do you trust me, my immediate response is to say, yes, Lord. And, and it's not that we necessarily don't. I, I think we really intend to do just that, to really trust Him. Uh, my answer, my, my question is um, actually, do we really know what we're saying when we say those things? When we say, yes, Lord, I trust you and... Um, and we answer immediately. And I'm going to use an example of, from my own life um, to explain what I'm trying to say. Um, there was a time when my son came to me asking if one of his friends can please stay with us. Because he has to move into his new place, but it's not going to be available um, before a day or two. I won't say that we lack we had enough, but it was very thinly spread. And when he asked me that, I immediately went to the bread option in our house. Because I had two young boys, 
um, well, one was a young man and the other one was still at school. And I had to have um, snacks um, in the house. Now, bread was one of those snacks that I knew that in one loaf of bread, there is just enough so that everyone can have a sandwich after school. And if the friend was going to come over to stay there a day or two, I would most probably have to sacrifice my sandwich, which I am very willing to do. But that was just where my mind went at that stage. And as I was thinking that, Holy Spirit just dropped this thought in my heart. And He said, whatever I give you, I give you for the sole purpose of sharing. Your little and your plenty is meant for sharing. And I was like, okay, I get that and I'll trust you. I'll trust you with the bread situation. And as I said that, I had to take out something that we're going to cook for supper. And I immediately knew that my freezer was um, sorted and packed so that we would have enough portions for everyone and that it's just enough to last us a whole month. And when I walked to the freezer, I knew that I was going to have to take some of tomorrow's food to add to today's food so that we can make enough for everybody to eat. And as I was thinking that, God said to me again, your little and your plenty I gave to you to share. And I knew I didn't trust. I just said, Father, I'll trust you with the bread, but I'm not going to trust you with the food in my freezer. And that's just how quickly our I trust you, Lord, turns into how am I going to make this work? Um, trying to work out my own plan. And I can say that the friend's stay turned out to be more than just one or two days. I can't remember if it was a week or two weeks that he had to stay there. And we ate enough bread. Everybody had a slice of bread every day. And the food in the freezer lasted the whole month, even after the friend left. I don't know how, um, but God made it work. God made that it be enough for whatever we needed. The fish and the bread that God just multiplies. And I'm using an earthly example, a fleshly desire, a thing that we need in our daily lives. But I use that because it was an easy example to use. But I want to apply it to the spiritual things that we need for our spiritual growth as well. And when we talk about desire and faith, I have to go to our first scripture, which is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. 
Now, before I read 1 Corinthians 14, I just want to say, it is the passage that is about the Spirit and the gifts that the Spirit gives. But let's read verse 1. Now, in verse 1 we read, it says, Follow after charity, which in other words is translated as love. So, follow after love and desire the gifts of the Spirit. Now, a lot of translations use and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we need to see that we have to follow after charity, which is love, and we have to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now in that one verse, there's a few things we need to understand. Because when we, let me just rephrase that, I've come to realize, and I was included in this group, that a lot of people tend to think that the Holy Spirit gifts give His gifts as He please, because that is what the scripture says later on. And we think, okay, so if He wants to give me the gift of healing, He will give it to me. Um, it's not something that I can take for myself. If He wants to give it to me, He'll give it to me. And we have that mindset that if he gives it to me, it's fine. If he doesn't, well, it's what he chooses. And I was reading that one day and the Lord said to me, go back to verse 1. So I went back to verse 1 and to see what it is that he's showing me. And I realized that, first of all, I need to have love for my neighbor and for God. I have to love God with my whole heart and my neighbor. And I have to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's two things that I have to have in order for me to get the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Because it's upon those things that the Holy, decide, Holy Spirit decides who He's going to give the gifts for. Because charity, you cannot... Give charity if you do not love. Not spiritual charity. Not loving your neighbor like the two commandments we have. If I love God and I want to do this because I love Him, then I know I have to love my neighbor so that whatever gift the Spirit gives me, I'm going to use that to first improve my love for Him and then secondly, to improve my love for my neighbor. So I'm going to use that gift to improve my love relationships. And then it says, especially prophecy. Why prophecy? Because with prophecy, I uplift my fellow believers. I encourage them with prophecy. And everybody is supposed to be able to prophesy because that is the thing we use um, to uplift the body, to encourage my fellow believers. And it's a, a word that I'm giving them that's coming from Father. So Father, what can I say to my fellow believer that's going through a difficult time? Or I just want to encourage him. I just want to uplift his spirit a bit. What can I say? What do you want to tell him today? And that word is coming directly 
from the throne room. And that's why we have to desire prophecy. And it's, I've learned through um, my walk that that is the basis for all spiritual things. Love and desire. If I have love and a desire for that thing, um, God will put it within my reach or give it to me, grant it to me. Sometimes he just spoils us and he gives us things even though we don't deserve it. But when we want to know him personally, if we want to grow in our relationship with him, that is the things that he looks for. He looks at your heart and your desire. So where does faith fit into all of this? So I have to desire the things that is going to strengthen my relationship with Jesus. And, and, and it works for a lot of things. So um, do you want to grow stronger in your relationship with the Lord? Do you want to get rid of sin in your life? Things that you know should not be there, like um, impatience, frustration, white lies, just lies, bending the truth, um, addiction, anger, manipulation, all of those things that we do on a regular basis that we know shouldn't be there, but we tolerate it or we allow it. To get rid of those things, God says, I have to have a desire in my heart to get rid of it. I cannot get rid of it. But if I have the desire to get rid of it, if I'm going to do certain things to obtain the fact that I won't be doing those things anymore, then he can work with me. Then he can work with the situation and make it less until it fades away. Or sometimes he's gracious and he just takes it away and I don't have to battle with things like that anymore. If I want relationships restored, whether it's my relationship with him or relationships with people, my boss, my family, my children, I have to have a desire, then God can come in and he can bring it to pass. Just understanding the word better. I really want to understand the, the word better. When I read it, I want to understand it. Do you have a desire to understand the word better? Um, or to hear the Holy Spirit speak? Do you have a desire to hear the Holy Spirit speak? Because all of these things make me grow spiritually. Make me get to know my Lord and Savior better. So how big is my desire? I would like to ask. Um, and what am I willing to give up to get whatever I'm desiring? Because if I'm not willing to give things up. Am I really desiring it then? Then, how much do I trust God that what he says will be manifest? in my life or in the situation. Now that was 1 Corinthians 14, the first verse, so that I can understand why the Holy Spirit chooses to give it to whomever he wants, because that's the qualities that he's looking for when he's handing these things out. Where does it come from? We need to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 which is the very last verse in that chapter. And it reads, 
but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet shew I unto you a more excellent way. Sure. So the King James is very hard for me. So if I have to break it down to a more understandable English, it would say covet, yearn to possess. So yearn to possess the best gifts. Covet. You have to covet it. And then I will shew unto you a more excellent way. Okay, so what is this more excellent way? That more excellent way is unselfish love, which then follows the chapter after verse 31, which is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter which most of us know. And that's why it said that we have to have love when we desire these things, when, when, when we want gifts by the Holy Spirit, special abilities to, to serve the body better and to learn about God more. So, and then after chapter 13, we then reaches Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, where it says you have to love and desire um, the gifts. Why am I talking about this? Follow after charity and desire gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. Do we desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do we desire to have the gift of healing or teaching or prophecy or whatever gifts there is in that piece that is handing out? Or have I uh, don't care attitude towards um, that? Now, when we say, do we desire it? Do you really desire it? Once again, we have to be careful before we answer that question. We have to go see how big is my desire or what am I willing to give up to get that? And do I trust that it will manifest, that what God says will happen? It's easy to say, yes, I desire it, but I'm not willing. The Holy Spirit and Jesus looks at the heart of me. And he checks my heart and my desire. That brings me to Hebrews 4. And we're going to work through Hebrews 4, the whole of Hebrews 4. Because in Hebrews 4, there's a lot of clues that is telling us um, what it is that he requires of us and how do we get to that place. So in Hebrews 4, we read, Now God has offered us the same promise of entering into his realm, of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. Okay, so here we have to see that we need to have, that he's talking about resting in confident faith. And then it says, to be extremely careful to make sure that we embrace the fullness of that promise and not to fail to experience it. So this is 
very important to him that we should experience confident faith and the fullness of confident faith. Verse 2 says, For we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did. And yet they didn't join their faith with the word, which is Jesus. Instead, what they heard did not affect them deeply, for they doubted. Yet again, what are we looking at? We are looking at, we received the good news of deliverance, just as everybody before us. What happened is, as they did not join their faith with the word, they did not believe in who Jesus is. Because what they heard did not affect them deeply, for they doubted. What did they doubt? Jesus, his ability, who he is. They doubted in who he is. And I would say, yeah, but they didn't know if he was the saint one. And we know that he's the saint one. Yes. But do we believe in Jesus? Do we trust in who he is? It's the same thing. Verse 3. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. This is very important. Now it says, for those who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Who? Those who believe. Not everybody, those who believe. And it says, faith activates the promise. And then we experience confident rest. There's a promise. Faith activates the promise. What's the promise? Confident rest is the promise. I was grieved, which means angry, with them and made a solemn oath. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. God's works have been completed. And the sin of the world did not affect um, his completed work. What he accomplished wasn't being made less because of our sin. Um, because God's finished work supersedes um, the brokenness of our planet. And we need to understand something about faith. And we're going to look into what faith is. And in Hebrews 11 verse 16, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? The same verse says, Because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And here I have that problem again. Why? Oh, there we go. Okay. And that he rewards those who eagerly seek him. Okay, so to understand this is basically saying that we have to believe my faith 
means that I have to believe that Jesus exists. That means I have to believe in Him, in His ability to, in His power, in His authority, in His word, in His promises. I have to believe that. That is faith. That is explaining how faith activates the promise, is to believe in it um, and that it is possible. And then we have that word again that says in Hebrews 16, we have to eagerly seek him. Earnestly, eagerly. Um, it, it gets swapped out between translations for desiring him. We have to desire him. In verse 4 we read, For it is said in scriptures, And on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Yes, God rested from all his works because he set his plan in motion and none of what is going on in the world, none of the chaos, none of the dark things we see out there is going to stop the plan that he set in motion. And in verse 5 we see, and again, as stated before, they will never enter into my calming peace of rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the realm of faith rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remained that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. So what is stopping us from entering into the faith rest life that God wants us to experience? And it's said there to be unbelieving hearts is what's stopping us. Unbelieving hearts steals that rest we're supposed to feel when we hand things over to God, when the storms are raging around us and things look impossible, to have that peace of mind, that calmness, that faith rest life, we need to be believing in who He is. Unbelief steals that. So verse 7 says, For God still has ordained a day for us, to enter into called today. For it was long after that God repeated it in David's words. If only today he would listen to my voice and not and do not harden your hearts. Yeah. Do not harden your hearts. And there's an exclamation point there. It's part of vocabulary. It's part of how we read this. And so it's drawing attention to whatever is happening there. And it is, do not harden your hearts. Verse 8. Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. And we know that the rest that they're speaking of there is on the third day when Jesus is going to manifest through his sons. Okay, so um, verse 9. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest awaiting for believers 
to experience. And we haven't experienced it yet. But we need to practice to experience it. We need to get fit in trusting and believing in Him. Verse 10 says, As we enter into God's faith rest life, we seize from our own works, just as God celebrates His finished works and rest in them. So we need to seize from our own works and rest in them. So how do we rest in our work? That doesn't mean that we're not going to go to work anymore. Yes, we do. We're still going to go to work because we need to earn an income to pay for all the things that needs to be paid for. It means faith works, spiritual works. It's not me having to do things because it's Christ in me leading me to do His things. It's His works and I need to rest in His finished work. Not me trying to do His work for Him. Verse 11. So then, we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by follow no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief okay so we have to give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life and we have to make sure that no one falls short of following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. So we have to help people understand what this faith rest life is so that they don't fall in the same pattern the people before us fell in and couldn't grasp and get hold of. Yes, some of us do, but not everybody does. Twelve. Okay, so first of all, we must give up all. We must be eager. Now we need to understand the difference between belief and unbelief. Because how can you believe in something and still have unbelief? To do that, we first need to understand that a lot of translations in Romans 12.3, we read about the measure of faith. We all received the measure of faith and we don't have small faith that grows into bigger faith okay our faith cannot grow bigger we all received the measure of faith and a lot of translations translate that verse as we received a measure of faith and it's that's not the truth we received the measure and what is that that measure that we received if we look at Strong's um, number 3358, it says that that measure is an instrument of measuring. It's a proverbial rule or standard of judgment. And also Strong's 4, um, 4102 says it's the conviction of the truth of anything. It's my belief. Okay, so what do I believe or I must other say who do I believe in because it's 
in his abilities that this measure of judgment is um, taken up. And the Bible also says that we only need a small amount of faith, as big as a mustard seed. Um, and, and we need to take that small amount of faith and we need to apply it. It doesn't matter how big it is or how big your belief is. If I believe Jesus can do this, I need to take my mustard seed of faith and I need to apply it and say, okay, Jesus, I believe you can and I'll trust you to do this and I'm applying it. Because the mustard seed has the ability to become a tree, a massive tree. And this is where we get the idea that our faith grows because it must get bigger. The mustard seed grew into a tree. But it's actually um, exercising a muscle. Um, the muscle got stronger. And the muscle was able to, to do the work more easier when it when it was um, exercised and that is what we're doing we're exercising the muscle so that it it becomes easier to apply where does unbelief fit into my belief if i can say it like that so unbelief on the other hand is what makes me wonder about the outcome of the situation or whatever I'm, is needed. It is the things that is going on in my mind most of the time. It's when I measure facts against that what I see in front of me. Um, and when I know the facts telling me that it's impossible, it cannot happen. Um, it can also be people giving their opinions and um, voicing their concerns or whatever it is that they're doing. So that it's the things that's distracting me from what I believe in. So I do believe in Jesus Christ and that he can do whatever he says he can do. But then for a moment I listen to the people around me or to the voices in my head and I start to have unbelief. Verse 12. For we have the living word of God, which is all effective. And it means it's full of energy. It's busy. It's working. It's, it's capable. And it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meets. And it separates what the flesh wants from what the spirit needs. That's what it's saying there. So it has the ability to separate from what the flesh wants and what the spirit needs. It interprets and reveals the true thought and secret motives of our hearts. Um, and that is what happened. That true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. So with the situation that I used um, my family and the bread, what Spirit did there is He came and revealed to me where I did not trust. See, when, when 
God asks us, do we trust him? And we so eagerly say, yes, Lord, I do. Then he comes and he seeks the heart. And he places very gently, very discreetly, that thing that I do not trust him with, what I just said I do, in front of me, showing me that I don't, actually. And I need to deal with that. So that is what that scripture says, when he reveals our true thoughts and our secret motives in our hearts to us. And verse 13, it says, There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before the eyes to whom we must render an account which we have to when Holy Spirit places that thing in front of us that we don't trust him in then we need to render it to him and say I'm sorry I know I said but I understand that I'm not verse 14 so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true for we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He was man just like us, so he is able to enter into God's throne room and plead our weaknesses before God. He understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king-priest was tempted in every way just as we are and conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. So yes. This is when, when our heart's weakness has been pointed out to us. It's then when we have to go to him and having him kiss us so that he can strengthen our faith. I have this picture in my mind of a, a mother kissing a little one's scraped knee and making it better <laughs> By saying, you'll be okay. You're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. I want to also just add in the scripture of Mark 9 verse 22 to 24, where the father of a boy who was deaf and dumb had the disciples tend to him and they could not help him. And now he's asking Jesus to help if he can do anything. And Jesus said, if I can. Jesus said, what everything is possible for the one who believes. And the father cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And we have just gone through what it means to have unbelief. And how it steals me from entering into that faith rest place, that place where I can hand it over to God and have peace and calmness around me, knowing that He can do whatever He promises to do. So 
help me to focus on Jesus only. That's what we do when we, we go for that mercy kiss. Um, help me to draw my attention away from the things around me, from whatever looks impossible or out of my reach or whether I'm capable or able to do the certain things. Help me to desire you. To earnestly long for the things that you give us to help us to know you more and to love my neighbor. The two commandments. Help my unbelief by keeping my focus on you, Jesus. On your ability to save me from this situation. To grant me whatever it is that I need. And that is our prayer then um, that I'm going to end off with. I hope it placed some things in perspective for you for how do I grow closer to God? First of all, I need to have love in my heart and I need to desire. Because Holy Spirit gives me gifts to grow closer to Him when I have a true love for God in my heart and I desire to know Him more. And when I desire to know Him more, I also understand that I'll have to work hard in the sense that I want to obtain it, um, to lay down the things that I need to lay down, to be eager to grab hold of it. And if I need to do certain things to get to that place that I will be willing to do that. I cannot be eager and yearning in my heart to know God better, but I'm not reading my Bible and trying to understand the scriptures. Um, if I don't have a desire in my heart to, to please God with my faith, and I'm not actually applying it, how can I receive what I want, if that is what he's looking for, in order for me to grow. So sometimes we sit and we ask and we say, help me understand, help me to hear you better. And, and you don't have the desire to actually engage with him, to actually spend time with him, to actually sit down and read the Bible and wait on him to break it open for you. Because we slam open the book, or today it's on our um, computers and our phones, and we read the Bible from there, and there's nothing wrong with that. I prefer um, a printed copy, so because I want to underline and make notes, and um, every now and again, computer's broken, my phone gets to be changed to a new one, and then I, I would like to have some information with me. But however way you want to do this, we open it up, we read a few scriptures, and this devil we read is, is nice and it's beautiful and it's speaking to me, but I'm not waiting on God to explain deeper stuff to me. Or um, like seeing the exclamation point, meaning that this is important, I'm actually drawing your attention to the sentence. Reading over words like, desire and um, 
things like that. Uh, because I just want to read this so I can see what is he saying to me. And in that there is a beautiful story, yes. But I want him to take me deeper. I want to understand why did he say the things he said. Why did he use specific um, wording? Um, because nothing in the Bible is by accident. And I want to know if it's not there by accident, why did he choose to do things the way he did it or say things the way it is said? Or, um, yeah, so, and, and if I'm not patient when I'm reading it, if I'm not waiting on him, if I'm not prepared to sit and let him share his heart with me about what happened there at that moment, then how will I grow stronger? How will I know him more? Thank you. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe to our channel and make sure to click the bell notification button to get any notifications when we upload a new video. Stay blessed.